Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. I'm not sure if that's how you feel about Mondays. Just fight the sunrise, do anything you can to fend off another work week. Um, but maybe that's how you feel, or at least a little bit of that. So I heard some chuckles, at least. So that you, you related somehow to that commercial. But uh, we're a few weeks into this series called The Sweet Life. We're exploring how to really have a sweet life. You know, because our culture defines what the sweet life is and even describes the path on how to get that. Um, but what we want to do is challenge that and look at, look at what the Bible says, what God has said, really is the sweet life and how do we get it. And so, my name is John, by the way. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at OCC. And um, you may or may not have heard that uh, Josh uh, recently had an uh, operation on his arm. Okay, so let me give you a quick update on him. In fact, there's a, his name is all over you know, the, the handout and everything because he intended to be here this morning. But just on Wednesday this past week, he found out he needed to have surgery um, on a tear in his, where his pec- pectoral muscle connects to his arm. Okay, so... I don't have any medical background here, but that's my understanding of it. Was there was some sort of tear, um, and and the result on Wednesday he found out was the the repair was uh, surgery needed to have surgery to do that. So he considered his schedule for the next couple of months. When should we do this? When should he do this? And it made a lot of sense for him to try to get it as soon as possible, uh, considering his schedule. Because Lord willing, he's he's going to Florida in a few days from now uh, to see about helping some churches there. And then he's, uh, right after that, leading a, a mission team in Germany uh, to connect with a college ministry and do some missions work there. And so taking care of his shoulder right away would mean that he could probably still do those things. And so we prayed. He came back to the office on Wednesday and we prayed, God, would you open up some doors and appointments or whatever to, so that Josh could you know, have the, the operation right away. And God provided uh, the next day a pre-op, and on Friday a surgeon was available to do what he needed to do. And so it went well. He's recovering. He still planned on speaking today. Uh, just up until yesterday, he, he uh, got some counsel just seeking on, should I do it, should I not? And so he took the, the wise advice to just rest and take it easy and not push it. Um, so, so that's, you get me today. I'm not Josh. I'm sorry. Um, I guess I'm sorry about that, but, uh, so I had, you know, I got, I got that call. You know, you're on the scenario over in your head, like, what if work calls? And, you know, and for me, this was the scenario. What if Josh calls me and says, I need you to speak tomorrow? And so he, I, I hung up and I told my wife, I was like, that was the call. That was it. And so that changed the rest of our afternoon. But I am really grateful to be here and excited. Um, Josh did a lot of great prep on this message. And so I'll do my best to deliver it at how he would. But before we jump in, let's pray. I want to pray for Josh and his recovery and also for our morning. So God, thank you so much for bringing us here today. God, we know uh, that you are real, you're alive and active in our lives, God, and we've come to worship you and thank you for that. Thank you for your word that gives us just guidance in, in, in this life, gives us an approach that um, leads to fulfillment. And God, this week, just looking back, thank you for the way you provided for Josh, just the way to get medical treatment and to get it quickly. Um, God, I pray you would be with him as he recovers and, and rests. Allow his body to heal quickly, God, so that he can set out on these other opportunities that you've given him uh, to, to carry on just the work um, of your ministry in Florida and in Germany. So God, would you please help him to heal quickly? 
and, and be in little pain. And God, for this morning, would you just speak to us through, through your word? God, I pray that you would guard any of my words that you don't want me to speak. Help me just to speak only your truth. Um, and God, we all would just love, we desire to hear from you. We'd love to know what it is you say that can help our lives now. So we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so today, like I said, we're looking at the sweet life, specifically at the subject of work and responsibilities as it relates to the sweet life. So I would imagine the neat thing about this series, actually, but and then this message particularly, I imagine that everybody can apply something today from what we talk about. Um, whether you're an employee working for somebody else or a business owner, you know, you are the, the boss or the owner. Whether you're a student that's learning and studying and training for your future career or if you're a parent raising kids, you're in the trenches raising, you know, young kids or old kids. But we've all got some core responsibilities that take up the bulk of our working, I'm sorry, our waking hours. We've all got something. Whatever it is, we've all got something we're responsible for. And so whenever, it, this whole morning, when I say work, I'm referring to your core responsibilities, the things that take up your time during the day. And sometimes we view work or raising kids or studying, we view that as getting in the way of what we really want to experience in life. It's like a speed bump, you know. Oh man, i got to work, but then life will get sweet. Or I have to study, but then things really get good after school. Um, however, notice this. If we live for the time off, life is actually sour and it's not sweet. If we just keep thinking of what's next and I can't wait until 5 p.m. or the weekend or the summer, um, life takes on a flavor of just sour. It's, it's not sweet because um, the reality is we spend over half of our lives at school or at work. All right, this is kind of sobering facts here. In fact, check out this chart from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay, so this shows time use on an average workday for someone who's employed uh, between the ages of 25 and 54, so there's a big strike zone there, uh, who has children. So this is the average time use. You see the on the right, the blue, it's hard to read, um, but on the right, the blue piece of the pie is sleep. All right, I think that's 7.7 hours uh, we sleep on average per night. Some a little more, some a little less. And then that, uh, that green chunk at the bottom, that's work and work-related activities. And I think it's just about nine hours uh, of, our, of our time. So actually, I, did, I, I got my calculator out. I did some math. If you take out the sleep time, work then becomes 54.6% on average of our time that we spend while we're awake. And then if you add, there's a couple of small pieces of the pie over there that are um, household activities and caring for others. These are kind of miscellaneous categories, but when you add those, it's actually 68% of the time. I think you could consider that work or core responsibility. So 68% of our awake time, we are working, all right? And so that's a... That is most of our lives that we're studying or working. And, and, and if you're at home raising kids, it's actually even more time than that because you rarely get a break. And, you know, home is work and work is home. So uh, if I were to say to everybody, close your eyes and imagine the sweet life. All right. I, I, I'm going to bet that nobody imagines a day at the office or a day up at the job site or a day folding laundry and prepping meals and doing what's needed at home. In fact, our culture, I would say, 
just despises work, is desperate for time off. We get the satellite dish off the roof and try to fight back Mondays or whatever that commercial was. You know, we, we fight off work like the plague. I have another video clip. Uh, it's a commercial that I think captures the idea even more. Um, so watch this, this clip. So the title of that commercial is actually called Freedom. So if you, you look it up, YouTube, Audi Commercial Freedom, and that's it. And uh, the implication that we, you know, what's the message we get from that? It's that we just need to get out of there sometimes. You know, work is in the way of what we were meant to do, what I want to do, what I was meant to do. You know, push people's faces out of your way as you leave and do what you want to do and get out of there. So the temptation to run it's very real. You know, put a cool car and a cool song to it, and it's like, yeah, I want that. You know, we get, we don't realize that, but that seeps in. We, we are tempted to run from responsibility like that. And, um, you know, if you're a recent grad from college, or if you can remember when you graduated, and, uh, and we have a lot in our church, but you can remember the day you realized, oh, man, summer break is, like, not a thing anymore. You know, like I used to have this built in break, but when you start working, there is no break. I guess if you're a teacher, so that's why that's a perk of teaching. But for most people, there is no break. And so we lose the take it easy approach to, you know, I'll just push through and then I'll get to take it easy. Um, And it doesn't actually work out that way. Or maybe you're a new parent and you're struggling with the, the new normal lack of sleep. Or, or maybe you're just struggling with fulfillment in whatever stage you're in. And so the temptation then becomes just rush. Just I, until we get through this stage, let's just rush this one until we get a relief. Or maybe you're well into your career, but things turned out not how you pictured it. Um, and then the temptation is let's just get by until re- retirement. Let's just get by until I get relief. And so th- this perspective 
um, is, is what we get. This is the perspective a lot of us have and our culture has on work. And there seems to be this pull, like gravity away from work that we feel. And it's actually something the Bible talks about, so we should expect. So we're going to take a look at work and, and, and the reality of work and what we can do to sweeten our life through work. There's some neat things that we know from the book of Genesis. So this is like the start of the Bible. We, we know that people are made in God's image. So when he created people, we reflect him in some ways. And we also know from Genesis, right off the bat, that God is a worker. All right? So look, take a look at Genesis 2, verse 2. It says, On the seventh day, God finished his work. He had worked for the six previous days. Uh, so he finished the work he had done, and then he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he has done. I think the word work is in there like seven times in one sentence. But So clearly God is a worker. And, and what we know because of that is that God puts a high value on, on work. When we work hard at the right things, we're actually reflecting God's character and, and who God is. So all legitimate work has a really high value in God's economy. It's possible to do evil work. Because sin entered the world, you know, things have been twisted. And so we could do evil work, or we can even do legitimate work, but with ungodly motives. But it doesn't change the fact that God has a high value on work. Uh, that, that fact remains. And so later in Genesis, the next chapter... We see what happened. You know, God has this high value of work and it's, and it's meant to be great and good, and it is. But in chapter 3, we see that the first man and the first woman rebel against God. They do what was prohibited. And, and God's response is that he added pain to our work. So pain and, and hard labor is a consequence of the rebellion that sin brought into the world. And so, again, work is good, has a high value, but now pain and sorrow are, are part of the equation and part of the process of work. So in, in Hebrew, the word for pain, it really, it, it means pain. We know what that is, but it, worrisomeness. We're worried now, we're anxious, or just labor, you know, hard labor is now part of the work equation. And so pain in our work causes us not want to work doesn't it? Let's get out of there. Let's, let's try to call in sick. How many hours do I have stocked up that I can like, kind of get out? But, but pain, that's the, the reason we want to get out of work is the pain that came as a consequence of sin. If there was no sin, this is hard to imagine, we can't imagine, but if there was no sin, work would be great. You know, you'd plant a seed, you'd water it, and you'd have a perfect crop. Or you would sit down and do your spreadsheet with no errors. Or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Every, you know, shirt was perfectly folded. You know, there is no frustration. But, but that's not the reality we're in. And so, so our attitude then, our approach to work is affected because there's pain there. So we have to learn to fight against that pain. If we're, we're talking about how do I have a sweet life? How do I approach work in a way that will be f- more fulfilling? We've got to fight against that pull, that gra- like gravity against work. Um, there's a couple of memes. You know, there's a lot of material to work with. All right, so I want to show you some memes. Uh, check out this first one. It's called Hate Your Job Support Group. If you can't read it, it says, Oh, hate your job? Why didn't you say so? There's a support group for that. It's called Everybody, and they meet at the bar. Maybe that's how you feel. Or, or there's this one. It says, I got mood poisoning at work. It must be something I hate. And uh, we just kind of, you know, 
We're like, yeah, you know, sometimes work. That's clever, play on words, whatever. But, you know, there's, there's this attitude and there's this reaction we have against work. And it really is amazing how much adversity we can face when you, when you think about your work. Think about your own work. Maybe even before you got to work, you experienced frustration because the car didn't start or the tire was flat. Maybe you're, you get to work finally and the copier breaks down right before you need it. Uh, maybe you're distracted at work because you have sick kids at home or your spouse or there's just other, other factors that really d- distract Maybe you get little cooperation from the team you're on. Or somebody on your team drops the ball, and now you're really in a bind because of that. Um, likely, just think back in, your, in last week. Think about last week and what are your core responsibilities. You could probably come up with your own list of things that just happened last week. The adverse conditions that you face that lead to frustration in, our, in your work. You know, it's easy... It's easy to get discouraged by those setbacks as you face getting work done. We get set back. You know, you probably you've had this experience. You've done some work on the computer and then you close it or the battery dies. And it's like, I just worked for an hour and it's gone. Or for me, the last time I spoke on a Sunday um, and, and had the message prep and all that, I worked for, for hours studying. I wrote down like 1,500 words. And then it was my mistake, but I, I closed it without saving it, and it was just gone. There's no auto-recover, by the way. If you click don't save, it's gone forever. So just so you know. Um, I was like, man, there's, there's a way to get this back, right? But there wasn't. So, you know, you guys have experienced maybe what's the equivalent in your job. You've experienced setbacks, and it's easy to get discouraged at work. Or it's easy to get bored at work. Uh, there's so many other things that we'd rather do than work. And it may, this probably, I have a theory, it probably comes from our universal love of recess. You know, in elementary school, you, it's like you work, you know, just long enough and then you get a reward and you get to go play tetherball or whatever. Um, you know, so maybe it comes from that conditioning. Or maybe you just, you know, started a new series and you're like binge watching, but work just keeps getting in the way of you finishing all ten seasons. Or maybe, maybe you know, it's fantasy football time and you're just thinking about that at work. It's easy to get distracted from our work and to get bored. So we get discouraged, we get bored, but sometimes we just get intimidated by work. Maybe there's an assignment or a deadline, and we've got to show up with the goods on this particular date. You know, this is the big day we're prepping for. So God adds pain into our work for a reason. We're going to look at that towards, towards the end. Um, but he also places a high value on work. So we're going to start on your listening guide with surveying some of the damage that comes when our attitude about work doesn't line up with God. God has a high value of work, but if we place a low value on work, which we're tempted to do, we end up hunting for a trouble-free job. The hunt just never ends. We look for trouble-free work, but unfortunately that doesn't exist because sin entered the world. Men rebelled against God. Work is now going to include pain and trouble. So it's really better to just adjust our expectations to that fact. Um, there was uh, the, one of the wisest men ever to, to walk the planet Earth wrote, um, and we have some of his writings in the Bible, uh, in Ecclesiastes. We, we're actually going to look at several passages from Ecclesiastes, but this is a man who was wise, had a chance to observe life, and then he wrote his findings for us to read. So look at this in Ecclesiastes 2.22 regarding work. 
He writes, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. What he's saying is, the, the, the main point is, don't pursue work for fulfillment. This is vanity too. You're not going to find it in work. Trouble-free work doesn't exist. He uses the word vexation. Work is, is not where we find no trouble. So if you are looking for a trouble-free job, two things are going to happen. If you continue to look, number one, you're going to resent what the work you have now, the responsibilities you have right now. You're really just going to resent those things as you keep looking for trouble-free work. And, and that's the second thing. You're going to keep looking. You're never going to get established and grow in the, in the work you have now. So that, that's one of the re, uh, implications of not having a high value of work like God does. Another one is we, we get lazy. We just get lazy in our work. Being lazy is actually worse than we tend to think. Um, we, we, we joke sometimes, I'm just going to have a lazy day or whatever. But it's really not as innocent as we think it is when we look at uh, the Bible. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 30. We see the, the scene is, is painted for us, and then we see the lesson that comes after it. It says, I passed by a field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. Here's the lesson. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come like a robber and want like an armed man. So I, the first time I, I heard this passage, it was really a jolt to my couch-loving nature. I love to, actually, I, I prefer the floor. I, I love to get a little pile of pillows and just at the right position and lay down and, and I'm out. You know, and this really is a jolt to that desire um, that we have. Rest is good. God modeled rest. But as a way of life, it is not good. Laziness is not. Because the fact is, just like this picture, this man's vineyard, his land, it was his livelihood, it was his work. Just like that, we see that things deteriorate. Like our lawns and our gardens will become overgrown and weeds grow up. Things deteriorate um, naturally. And, and similarly, our work, things unravel, relationships unravel, that must be brought back together and reminded of their purpose in moving forward. And so it requires diligent effort, over time to just maintain things. And that's just talking about maintaining things. I've had a job uh, where I was with management responsibilities and it really surprised me at first. I didn't feel like I was good at my job because of how much time was required to just maintain things. And maybe you can relate to that. Like maintaining equipment used for work or maintaining clear communication between team the team or maintaining good working relationships in and outside of the organization, or even just creating your to-do list for the day. Like, that feels like work, but all we've really done is we've, we're just maintaining things, right? That's not even to mention beginning to move things forward related to your responsibilities. So what we see is that a lazy approach just leads to things deteriorating. And that's actually serious. Think about your life, your, your big plans, and as you consider what God wants you to do, you, the amount of work you put in has the potential to let that you know, carry out as planned or to deteriorate by our laziness and our lack 
of viewing work as a high value. Another thing, if we have a low value of work, we, we live for time off. And I was trying to think, I'm sure there's a country song related to just getting off work or the weekends. I'm sure I've heard it, but it's really easy to see work as the barricade to the sweet life. It's, it's in the way. So if we underestimate its value and we never learn to actually enjoy our work, then we miss what God intends for us. 68% of our life. We're, we're working or doing work-related responsibilities. So we're just really going to miss this if we look for the time off. Jesus told a story. It's another similar passage where a scene is set and then we learn a lesson. So this is a, a parable that Jesus shared in Luke 12. And this is Jesus talking. Look at this. He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said... I will do this. I will tear down my barns, my small ones, and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I love this part because he's talking to himself. I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, it is, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So the story, it actually reflects very closely an American view on work and, and an American goal that we have. The day that we can finally relax and eat and drink and be merry. And maybe you've spent time, you know, daydreaming or wondering, well, what would happen if work, things just took off and, and I received just tons of raises and now I'm wealthy. Or, or maybe the, the long lost relative, you know, dies and you receive an inheritance you didn't expect. Um, and now you no longer have to work to make ends meet. But we see here that that view, that daydreaming and, and longing, God is not impressed with that approach, um, just growing rich in order to kick back. Plus, another lesson we see is tomorrow is not guaranteed. What then? It, you know, if we pass away, all of our belongings, everything we've worked towards is now useless to us. So to be rich towards God is truly the better way, as we see. So if you resent work and you live for the time off, the result is actually going to be a miserable life. So actually, God made us work and he wants us to enjoy it. God made us to work and he wants us to enjoy it. So on the back of your guide, we have a few more uh, thoughts here. But again, in Ecclesiastes, listen to this other approach to work. Ecclesiastes 5.18 Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. So here's another view, right? They're still eating and drinking and enjoying life, but, but work, the word toil here, is, is just part of, he says, part of the lot, part of life. You know, toil is one of those things. And this, this word in the Hebrew, it's amal, that word toil, and it means wearing effort, wearing down. And it has a root meaning. Here's a, a, a definition from a concordance. To work severely and with irksomeness. What a great word. 
Use that this week, all right? That's one side takeaway. Write down that word. Irksomeness. It means, like, what I, my picture is, when I read the definition, was like a rock in your shoe. Something that just bugs. It's, it, it irks you, right? Or there's, like, the tag that just itches right here on your shirt. That's irksome. But God wants us to find enjoyment through all of that in our work so we can experience really, truly a sweeter life. Um, the passage says that this is a gift of God. Food and drink and enjoyment, are, we know, that's easy to say, yeah, God, that's a gift from God, that's great. But also toil and work is a gift from God. It flows from his own heart. It's not an achievement that, you know, we can't reach climb the ladder hard and and long enough to achieve. It's not the result of our dumb luck where everything just works out. Actually, it's God's heart that we enjoy and and find fulfillment in our work. In fact, and I mentioned this earlier, one one of the reasons that God put pain into our work when we rebelled against him was so that we would turn to him for fulfillment. That we wouldn't continue to look for fulfillment in in our work because it's not there. It's irksome. We're not going to find fulfillment there. The God who works and made us to work wants us to turn to him and experience restoration, refreshment through the toil. He can bring joy in the moment regardless of what's going on around us. We have all come from uh, a certain type of week. Maybe it was really difficult. Or maybe you're heading into a really difficult week at work or regarding your responsibilities, but God can bring fulfillment and refreshment no matter what kind of week you have, you've had, or you're going into. So, these last few thoughts. How do we experience the sweet life in our work? Well, we we know from the Bible the direction we should take. First, pray and thank God for providing our work. Pray and thank God. Let your frustration in work remind you to thank God for the work that he's given you to do. Let frustration do what it was intended to do and redirect you to God. Again, you're going to be let down by your job or your boss, but God cannot let you down. He won't. You can check out that First Thessalonians passage, but it basically says, thank God in all circumstances. In every circumstance, thank God. So thank him for the responsibilities you have, the work that you have on your plate today. Pray for his help as you try to grasp all of your responsibilities. All right, that'll lead to sweetness in our work. Another thing that will is to choose an upbeat attitude towards it. Choose an upbeat attitude towards your work. Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, So I saw that there is nothing better than for a man... For a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. So it says here that there's nothing better than to enjoy our work, to rejoice. Some, some translations say rejoice or be happy in your work. And this is actually something we can choose. We can choose to enjoy and rejoice in our work. We've seen how God places a high value on work, so we need to learn to do that ourselves and be glad about our work. So the Bible isn't saying throw on a fake smile. Um, up, you know, we hear be upbeat. We think of just someone who's happy in the bad sense, like, oh, they're just happy all the time. But that's not what this means. Rather, an upbeat attitude is one that willingly grasps, gets a grasp on the responsibility. There's a willingness. It also looks for the good and not the bad in our work. Um, the opposite of being upbeat, the opposite of what we're saying is, is 
to dread Monday and to fight against it or to look for opportunities to check out of work, mentally or physically. That's not an upbeat approach. Let's just check out. Or we might get bogged down wishing or wondering about other people's lives. That's not an upbeat attitude towards, towards your work and your responsibilities that God gave you. And the amazing thing about this is, is we can, it's really nothing has to happen in order to do this other than our approach has to change. Our perspective changes to choosing an upbeat attitude. The last thing here is aim every day to please God who gave you the work to do. Aim every day to please God who gave you that work. Yes, even at your job, even with your boss, aim to please God who gave you your work. And work at it with all your heart as if Jesus is your boss. That's what Colossians 3.23 says. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Christ followers are to do their work as if Jesus Christ is their boss. And if we do this, God rewards us. It says in there, we receive an inheritance from the Lord. And even if that incentive wasn't enough, the last part, verse 24, reminds us that it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's actually not your boss and your job. You are working for them. and You have an arrangement with them. But it really is the Lord Christ you are serving. And when we please God in our work, He rewards us with a life that is richer and more fulfilling and sweeter than we could get otherwise. Um, One of my favorite passages is in John 10.10 when Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And I think we're, we're starting to scratch the surface through this series of what does that mean? Even in our work, we can experience more fulfillment and more sweetness. Diligent work is not only noble, because remember, God is a worker, so it's noble to do, but it promises real fulfillment over time. And joy comes as, as a gift, we saw, when we set our hearts to please God and faithfully pursue those responsibilities we have. So again, we spend a majority of our lives working. I'm just going to say 68%. That's what's sticking out from that graph, right? On average, 68% of our lives. So how important it is to see the value in work and to trust God to bring joy through it. And so I'm going to wrap up by asking you to think through some of these next steps. They're on your listening guide, and they're also on the connection card. But maybe today, for the first time, you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and follow Him as Lord. I've presented another way. You know, there's the way that we know and we, and our culture presents to us, and then the Bible reveals another way. So perhaps you realize that You'd really like to take God up on that chance of doing life His way. And so I'd love to talk with you about that. Mark that on your connection card if, if that's your, your next step today. Uh, second, you might just ask God to help you identify and change a, an area of bad attitude at work. God can reveal that. And this third line is blank. So you can write down if God spoke to you in a specific way, an action that you, you need to take this week. So consider that. And and let me pray as we close. Father, we thank you for your word again. Thank you for the way it instructs and reveals a better way. God, I pray that you would help us to truly trust you. God, like we sang earlier, give us faith to trust what you say. God, and you've said a lot. And today we looked at what you said about work. Help us to trust you that you really can bring fulfillment 
in our work, through the toil, through the labor, through the mundane times, God, you're actually in control of it all. In fact, you've designed it that way so that we would turn to you. So help us to recall what you've instructed to us. This week as we work and we have responsibilities that wear us down, God, prompt us to turn to you and and thank you, God, for our work and to ask for help. God, I pray that you would also, again, just continue to heal Josh's body as he as he gets ready to do work. He's a great example of hard work, and, and even through pain, wanting to be here, what a picture of of just the desire to please you through pain. God, I pray you'd heal his body now. And as we close, God, continue to minister to us as we sing and receive our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. Um, If you want to go ahead and pull out your connection card that you began filling out, um, we invite you to fill it out. Um, This is is a great way for us to stay in contact with you and for you to to let us know what's going on um, going on with you. So um, in a moment, the ushers are going to come down and take the offering, and you can put that in there. Um, If you want to let us know about any prayer requests or next steps, you're welcome to put that on that connection card. If you came prepared to give, um, then we encourage you to use the giving envelope that's in there. There are also a few other ways to give um, online, bill pay. Um, our church is fully supported by those who call um, OCC their church home. Uh, so thank you for your faithful giving um, every week. Um, ushers, you may receive the offering. The money that comes in for your giving um, really enables us to actually stay on mission, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ um, with those in our community here in Riverside. Um, Here's a quick example of how your faithful giving has helped us to stay on mission. We've received about two weeks from our movie nights a couple weeks ago. Uh, we held a series of movie nights in the park, um, which allowed us to connect with many new families in the area. Um, and so the last movie night had about 700 people in, in attendance. And so our prayer is that uh, more and more people, at least five people, um, would be able to attend from those events um, and just help um, plug in and take their next steps with God. And it's through your faithful giving they are able to do events like that in our community. Um, again, we're really glad that you've come this morning. Um, if you're a first-time guest, um, then I would really love to meet you. We'll be here in the back, um, me and some of the um, staff members from OCC. Um, stop by. We have those first five minutes set aside for you. And we'd also love to give you a free gift. Um, just a short thanks for you today. In just a moment, we'll continue with our final song. All right, let's stand and close this morning.
this earth does not bring fulfillment. God, the things of this earth do not bring joy. Maybe a temporary sense of happiness, God, but you you desire to bring us a joy that is everlasting and carries us through the most difficult times and gives us a different perspective as we do the most difficult things. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for your presence in the midst of hard work in the midst of difficulty. Please can give us Jesus. You know that you have. That's the truth, God. You've given us Jesus. We thank you for him. Would you continue to work in us this week, God? Would you give us a perspective of joy as we approach the tasks and responsibilities you've given us? And we do this to honor you. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.
Good morning, OCC. So glad to see you all here. If you can hear my voice in the lobby, I just want to give you a quick five-minute warning. We're going to get started in services in about five minutes, so if you'll grab a cup of coffee, make your way into the worship center, and we will see you in five minutes.
Good to see you all this morning. Welcome. So good to see you guys. I'm really excited about our time. It's always a joy to be here with you, to worship the Lord together, spend time singing songs about who He is, His work in our lives, the reality that He is present, and that He's begun a good work in us. Scripture says that though He has only begun, He is also faithful to see it through to completion. And He wants to work on us this morning. So let's go ahead and stand together as we worship. Invite God's presence here. Smile. 
to break me apart. I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. Let's sing that again. I need you. I need you to soften my heart, to break me apart. I need you to open my eyes, to see that you're shaping my life. We sing all I am, I surrender. Give us faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. And I'm broken inside. I give you my life. We say I need you.
pray together. God, we are so grateful for you. Grateful for another opportunity to gather, to sing your praise. God, to be reminded of your goodness. Just the reality of your working in this world and in our lives. We recognize that, God. And we rest in the reality that you are who you say you are. And you've done the things that you say you've done. And that you will do the things that you said you've done and will do. God, we rest in you this morning and we look forward to our time together as you speak, even as we continue to worship, God. Pray for your help and for your hand to be on us in this time. Speak as we continue. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Bryce, and I'm one of the small group leaders here at OCC. Uh, We're in the third week of a message series called The Sweet Life. Um, We'll be talking through um, what the Bible has to say um, about how we really find fulfillment um, and meaning in life. If this is your first time joining us, we're really glad that you're here. Um, and we actually love to meet you. So uh, myself and some of the OCC staff members will be at these back um, guests information and get involved tables. We'd love to get to know you, have you stop by, um, and we'll be there for the, um, the first five minutes after the service. We also have a free gift for you. It's a little coffee mug uh, with some candies in it just as, as our way of saying thanks for joining us this morning. Everyone should have received a program when you walked in, and I'll highlight a few things from in here. Um, I'd like to invite everyone to go ahead and take the connection card out and start to fill it out. Um, This card is a great way for us to keep you informed about what's going on, but also for you to to connect with us and let us know what's going on in your life. If this is your first visit with us, please just fill out whatever you feel comfortable on there. Later on at the end of service, um, you can just drop it in the offering basket as it passes along. We have a few events coming up as well. Tonight is the Lord's Supper. This evening we'll be sharing in the Lord's Supper together. This is an important time for us as a community to to gather around and celebrate um, what Jesus has done for us. Um, Remember the sacrifice that he made so that we can have a clear relationship with God. Um, This is a meaningful event for people that have already decided to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. That event will be hosted um, this evening at our church office from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're also excited. um, We just recently expanded our church office. So we're excited for everyone to be able to take a look at that and see see the new office. So it should be really fun there. We also have a financial seminar coming up. There's a flyer in your handout that has more information about the financial seminar. It's going to be called Getting Traction with Your Money. Money can be a real major source of conflict and stress and anxiety in life. And so we want to look at what the Bible has to say about how to handle and steward our money in God's way. We've provided you with an invite card, um, so you're welcome to, to give it to someone um, that you'd like to come to the event, or just keep it for yourself for more information about it. Um, also want to highlight about that event, the time in the, in the program actually says 7 to 9, but it will be from 6.30 to 8.30, so look at whatever the, the card says, that's actually the correct time. We also um, recently launched a new round of small groups um, at OCC. Our hope is that everyone that attends OCC would be able to get plugged into a small group. Um, So if you're still looking to join a group, there's still opportunity and space for you to hop in a group. Um, Some of the ways that you can let us know if you're interested, you can fill out the connection card and let us know you're interested in joining a group. Or you can stop by the tables at the end of service and you can let us know there that you'd love to join a group and we'll help you get connected to a group um, there as well. 
We also have some mom-to-mom park days. Those will be starting up on Tuesday morning, and you can find more information. Um, That's just an opportunity for moms to connect with other moms throughout the week. You can find more information about that in your program as well. And lastly, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider teaming up with us. Uh, We are a portable church, and so that means there's a lot of work that goes into pulling off a Sunday morning service. Um, All these things that you see up here, we set up every Sunday and we tear down every Sunday. Um, It's a really great way for you to really connect with the church. And so we want to encourage you to to check out volunteering. We actually have a video that will highlight what all that's like. So check out. We see over and over again that people who volunteer really feel um, a connection to our church. So it's just a really great way. If you've been thinking, you know, I'd really love to get more involved, um, volunteering on a ministry team is a really great way to do that. It's also a really practical way um, to use your gifts and time to serve God. So if you're interested about joining a team, um, then you can just let us know on your connection card and someone will get back to you this week about how you can get involved there. Well, that's all for the announcements this morning. Again, we're really glad that you're here today. And would you mind standing with me? Um, I'll pray and then we'll go ahead and continue with worship. Father, we're we're just so grateful for you, God. We're grateful that we can come together um, and worship you um, every week. Or we're thankful for the team of volunteers that help um, come together to, so that we are able to do this as a community. We're so grateful for their work and just for um, for what you do week in and week out as you um, teach us from your word. Lord. We just pray for, for John as he speaks this morning, as he speaks to us about word, Lord. Uh, just pray that you'd help us to have open minds and hearts to know how, how you would like us to approach work. We really trust that as you explain and you and we hear from you, Lord, your approach and what you want us to do and how you want us to handle work, Lord, uh, we really trust that that's the way that we ought to do it. And that's actually the way that will lead to real fulfillment and meaning. 
So God, I just pray that you would help us to know where we need to adjust our lives so we can handle work your way. We're so thankful, Lord, that you give us so much grace. In your name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. And I'm not sure if that's how you feel about the work week as it approaches or if, you know, your reaction to the sunrise on Monday. But sometimes that we feel like that, right? We want to do whatever possible to fend off another week uh, because it means work is coming. Um, the, in these few weeks in this message here, we've been looking at, at this topic. Um, how do we get the sweet life? Our culture defines what that is and, and even offers a, the road to it. Um, but what we're doing with this series is challenging that with what does the Bible say? What did God tell us actually is the sweet life and how do we get it? So um, my name is John and my name is not on the listening guide. And that's for a reason. Our senior pastor, uh, Josh De La Rosa, this week found out he needed to have a medical treatment on his shoulder. And so uh, let me give you a quick update. Some of you have heard and some of you haven't, but he actually had surgery on Friday this week on his shoulder. He had a tear in his pectoral muscle where it connects to the arm. Um, you, this is my medical training coming out here. There's a connection somewhere in there that was torn. And so uh, on Wednesday, he found out that this the solution was to have surgery. So he considered his next you know, upcoming weeks and several months, and uh, it made the most sense that he had the surgery, the operation right away. And so we prayed. He came back to the office on Wednesday and we prayed for God to, you know, provide that for him. And the next day, Thursday, he had a pre-op and Friday a surgeon was available to do the operation. And, um, and it was really God providing a quick treatment because he's got a couple of things lined up, a couple of trips, ministry opportunities lined up. Uh, one is in Florida. Um, actually this week in a, in a few days, he'll be heading there, Lord willing, to help out some churches in Florida. And then right after that, going to Germany, to lead a missions team there to support a college ministry in Germany. Um, and so taking care of his shoulder right away 
would most likely enable him to keep those commitments. So all that to say, you get me this morning. Um, again, I'm John, and uh, even though it says Josh on your guide, it's, it's John. Um, so, so that's me, and uh, by the way, the surgery went well. He's recovering. Even knowing he was going to have the, uh, the procedure, he planned to be here this morning, um, which that's why his name is printed, but he was just going to, you know, bear through it and, and still preach. Um, but he got some advice and he heeded some wisdom to just take it easy and rest and, and not re-injure himself or something. So he's going to rest. So I'd like to pray this morning just for his recovery, but also for our time uh, in the Word. So let's pray. Dear God, we again thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for our time of worship that we had to reflect on the truth of Scripture. And uh, God, I pray that you'd receive our praise. And we just thank you again for bringing us here. I pray you would heal Josh even now as we meet and, and, uh, and, and as I speak. God, would you heal his body, allow his, the procedure to, to be useful and effective to heal his shoulder. And uh, God, just give him rest that he needs, uh, gearing up for this busy season of head that you've lined up for him. So God, would you just heal his body, let it be as least painful as possible for him. And God, for this morning, please, would you just guard my mouth and, and guard against any words that are not truth and are not from you, God. I desire to just speak what is true from your word. You've given us so much help in the Bible, so we thank you for that and pray that we would have open hearts and minds to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're looking at the sweet life specifically today at the subject of work and responsibilities as it relates to having a sweet life. And so I'm, I imagine, I'm kind of excited about this message particularly because most of you can probably relate, actually I know most of you can relate to the issue of work or responsibilities that we have. So whether you're an employee working for somebody or you are the boss or you're the business owner, if you're a student training and studying, uh, you know, in school or a parent raising kids, everybody has some core responsibilities. So this is important to set up our time. When I say work, what I mean is what it is that takes up your, the most of your waking hours. What are you responsible for to do? What has God given you to do? And so here, here's the, the starting point, and it's actually different than what we think. If we just have this view of work, that we just look forward to the time off, if we just live for the time off, then life is sour, not sweet. We actually think, I can't wait till 5 p.m., I can't wait for the weekend. Um, that's when things get better, and, and that's when life really gets sweet. But actually, that's going to, as it turns out, lead to just a miserable kind of life. And the reality is, we spend a little over half of our time at school and at work. So here's a chart. Check out this chart from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, all right? So this is official. Um, it shows the time use on an average workday for employed persons age 25 to 54 with children, all right? So they, they figured it out. Here's the average workday. Um, the, on the right, it's hard to see. On the right, there's that blue piece. That's sleep. So we spend on average 7.7 hours sleeping, some a little more, some a little less. Um, you've got some other small pieces of the pie. And then you've got at the bottom, that green, the biggest chunk, working and related activities, 8.9 hours of the day. So I got my calculator out and I, I said, all right, I'm going to figure this out. So according to this chart, if we take out the sleep time, right, because you're sleeping, actually 54.6 of our time, it, we're working. 
That's the green piece of the pie when we take out the sleep time. And actually, there's a couple other pieces of the pie that you might consider work. Things like household activities or caring for other people. Um, When you add those in, it's actually 68% of our waking hours are used to do work, to, to handle responsibilities. So most of our time goes there. And if you work at home raising children and keeping the home, it's actually more time because you have less breaks. Work is home. Home is work. So, so there's even more time there. And if I were to say to, you, to everybody, close your eyes and imagine the sweet life. Um, in fact, go ahead and do that. Close your eyes. Imagine just the sweet life. You might be picturing like, you know, the, the commercial where it's like the beach scene and the drink and the, the palm trees. But I, you can open that up your eyes. But I imagine you didn't picture work. You didn't picture your desk or your place where you work and spend all your time in toil, you know, earning a living. Our minds don't drift that way when we think about the sweet life. And in fact, our culture, I would say, really despises work and is desperate for time off. We saw that. That clip uh, at the beginning, they were literally trying to fight off work. And we know that's funny. You know, it's silly. You can't do that. But here's another video clip from a commercial that I think captures this sentiment that we just despise work. So take a look at this one. So first of all, that's kind of a cool car, right? Like, we just have to acknowledge that. My car doesn't do that. But it also, that, the, the title of that, com- of that commercial, if you YouTube it, it's called Freedom. So if you looked up Audi Commercial Freedom. And, it, and implicit in that commercial, the idea we get is that work is in the way of what we really want to do, right? It's, it's in the way, push people's faces out of the way and get out of there and do what you were meant to do. And, and we... You know, that gets into our thinking, and we identify with that, and and we're kind of rooting for the guy. He's got his goggles on. What's he going to do? So, you know, this is our this is what the culture kind of defines and, and shows us how to get the sweet life, and there really is a temptation. The temptation is real to just run from responsibility. 
you know, for example, there's a lot of, of recent graduates here at the church, and, and it's, pretty, it's a pretty rude awakening when you realize you have no more summer break. Like, you graduate college, and it's like, I used to have this built-in thing, or I even remember, like, it's embarrassing, but actually remembering, like, the moment. Like, oh, I work through the summer? Is that what you're saying here? You know? Um, because the temptation just to take it easy, to kick back, that is a very real temptation we face. Or maybe you're a new parent and you're struggling with the lack of sleep. That's also a very real thing. Um, or maybe just as a, as a working adult or a young parent, really you're just tempted to rush and get through this phase. It'll get better just beyond this phase right now. Or you might be well into your career, and as you reflect and you survey, you realize things didn't pan out like I thought they were, um, and now the temptation is just, let's just get through to retirement. Just push through to retirement. So whether it's take it easy, or rush through this phase, or just get by till the end, it really brings up a critical issue on our perspective of work, what, what's actually deep-seated in our hearts. And so... This perspective of work, what it is, it seems like there's a pull like gravity on our hearts against work. You know, both of these videos showed that, and we feel that. It, and it's actually something that we should expect. The Bible talks about what that is. And so we're going to reveal what that is and the source of that gravity, that pull against work. Uh, there's some really neat things that we can see right in the first couple chapters of the Bible. And, and what we know as it relates to work, is that people are made in God's image. All right? So when God formed, you know, man and woman, we were made to reflect him in many ways. And we also know, when we put the pieces together, that, that God is a worker. So in the first two chapters of, in Genesis, we see that God worked hard. So look at this verse, Genesis 2.2. 2. And on the seventh day, after six days of working, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So the word work is in there like seven times in that sentence. That's not true. That's just, it's in there a lot. You know, so we know that God is a worker. It's part of who he is. And we were made in his image. So God gives a high value to work because that's what he spends his time doing. Um, We see this here. And when we work hard at things, it reflects God's image in us. All legitimate work has a very high value in God's economy. You know, it's possible, because sin entered the world, it's possible to twist what God designed as good. So we could do evil work, right? And that doesn't please God. It's also possible to do legitimate work, but with ungodly motives. But that doesn't change the fact that God highly values work. Um, and, and we find that. And, and, and here's where things went wrong. In Genesis 3, the very next chapter we see where this gravitational pull away from work came from. It's the result of man's rebellion of God. So to quickly summarize the story, God created a man and a woman, and this first couple rebelled against what God told them. They did what was prohibited. They did what he said not to do, and therefore sin entered the world. God's response to that was adding pain in our work. So it's a consequence of rebellion that pain came. So that it doesn't mean that work is now bad. Um, God still has a high value for it, and it's still a good thing. But now, pain and sorrow are part of the equation of work. It's a consequence. And, and the word in the Bible, the Hebrew word for, for the pain, it means like a worrisomeness 
or just hard labor. It's going to hurt. It's going to cause anxiety. It's going to create more labor. Um, I imagine, we don't know this, and it's hard for us to imagine this, but I just wonder what would work be like if sin did not enter the world. It's like we would like put the seed in the ground and water it, and like a perfect crop would come up. Or you would sit down at your spreadsheet, and you're like, 0% errors, 100 words per minute, like flying through it, and it just is, comes easy. Or whatever your work is. I, I just wonder what it would be like, but that's not the reality. Pain is a, is a consequence of sin in our work. And pain causes us not to want to work, right? That's just logical. Because it hurts, I don't want to do it. Um, but it's actually a pull against being like God when we, when we, when we take that approach to work. So we have to learn how to fight that gravitational pull or this perspective that we get on work. Um, and here's a couple of memes. There's a lot of material, by the way, out there on work. But check out these memes that kind of describe the frustration. And that says, oh, you hate your job? Why didn't you say so? There's a support group for that called Everybody. And they meet at the bar. It's kind of like, duh, you know. Or, or here's another one. I got mood poisoning at work. It must be something I hate. And that one's kind of clever with the word play and all that. But, you know, this idea uh, is just we identify with that because of the pain that's involved in work. It's really amazing how much adversity that we can face when we try to do our work. Um, so think of like think of a work week. It might be that you had car trouble even before you got to work. You had car trouble and that creates frustration and stress and anxiety. Or maybe you get to work and the copier broke down like right when you needed it to work and, you know, maybe you have sick children at home and that pulls your focus at a key time at work. Or you have little cooperation among those on your team. Maybe someone even dropped the ball in a major way at work and now you're stuck with you know, you're in a pinch because they dropped the ball. I, I imagine if you think of your last, last week's work, the responsibilities you had last week, you could come up with a list of adverse conditions you faced. All right? And that's the pain. That's the toil that's in our work now. And, and what that does is it's easy for that to, to, get, to distract us, to discourage us, actually. It's easy for us to, to be discouraged by the setbacks we, that we face in work. So, for example, this may have never happened to you, but, but have you ever, you know, worked on a, a document or something and then, like, the battery on your computer died and it's, like, it's gone? Maybe a big paper. The, the last time I spoke on a Sunday, that happened to me. I had, like, hours of study and I had, like, 1,500 or 2,000 words, like, on. And then I, it was my own fault. I clicked don't save for some reason when I closed it. And come to find out, there's no recovery for that type of click, you know. If your battery dies, it might be there when you turn it back on. But if you click don't save, you just, that was your own doom. So don't do that. But, but I lost it all and I, you know, had to redo it and it was okay. I didn't die. But, you know, there's frustration. We can really get discouraged by setbacks in our own work. Or... It's easy to get bored at our work. There's other things we'd rather do. So it's easy to let our mind go to other things and just get bored with what we're doing. This is also a source of like pain and just uh, worrisomeness that's in work. And this might, I have a theory, this might come from our universal love for recess. You know, in elementary school, we were conditioned to like work a little bit, then go play. Then work a little bit more and then go get a snack and then work a little bit more. And now it's nap time. You know, you know, we're conditioned to just love the time off. 
Or as adults, we're a little more sophisticated now and we have Netflix. And so maybe we're like, we want to binge watch a show, but work just keeps getting in the way of us finishing, you know, all 10 seasons or whatever it is. Or, or maybe, you know, this one is close to home. You know, it's fantasy football time and, and we're at work, but we're thinking about our team and our roster. But, you know, it's just easy. The point is it's easy to get bored at work and want to and want to get out of there. So not only are we bored and discouraged, but maybe we're just intimidated by assignments and we dread the deadlines as they come up or the test date or the presentation or whatever it is. Maybe we just get intimidated and dread it. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but God added that frustration and pain in our work for a reason. All right, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about how God highly values work. All right, we've said that. He, he modeled it. He values work so highly that we ought to approach work that way. But in fact, it causes damage when we don't. All right. So on, the, on your listening guide, we'll start um, by talking about if we place a low value on work. So we're surveying the damage that this causes. First, we hunt for a trouble-free job. The hunt begins and never ends for trouble-free work. It, it, it actually it doesn't exist, and so it's best to just adjust our expectations to line up with that reality. In the in the Bible, there's it, the Bible is a collection of of what God spoke through men, and one of the men that wrote down what God spoke it was like considered the wisest man ever to to walk the earth. At least one of the wisest men to ever walk. And in Ecclesiastes, we have tons and tons of just wisdom from this man. He wrote down, he observed life, and then wrote about it. So that's basically what we're jumping into. So look at this from, uh, from Ecclesiastes 2. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. And the point here in this verse is just that when we look to work to be fulfilling, it's just going to let us down. It's actually just a vexation. Um, it's vanity to pursue that and to, and to expect that fulfillment will come from that. So, so the point is trouble-free work just does not exist. If you look for a trouble-free job, Maybe you've done this and, and you're just looking and looking. Two things will happen if we just continue this hunt. Number one, you're going to resent the job or the responsibilities you have now. You're just going to be bitter about what's on your plate right now. Number two, you're going to keep searching for the perfect job that, by the way, doesn't exist. But the, the search will keep you out of touch with um, just growing in your job where you're at. You will never get established in your work or career if you continue to look for what else is out there. It's, it's the hunt for something that's not there. Also, if we place a low value on work, we're going to get lazy. And we tend, you know, I even say this sometimes, and we tend to, to be light about being lazy, like, oh, I'm just going to have a lazy day. But actually, being lazy is worse than we tend to think. It's not as innocent as we think. Here's another passage that's considered a wisdom passage in Proverbs. And we see a scene, and then we get a lesson after that. So here's the scene. I pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. Now here's the wisdom. I looked and received instruction. 
A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This reminds me of the image on the front of your program. The guy in the hammock, he's just resting. Um, His hands are just folded. You know, the first time I I encountered this passage, it's really a jolt to my nature to want to just get home and lay down. You know, I'm more of a lay on the floor guy than the couch guy. I like to make my little pile of pillows and then just lay down and my back feels better on the flat floor. Anyway, but the first time I read this, it's really a jolt to that urge to just get a little rest, fold my hands. Um, the reality is that things deteriorate over time. As we, as we lie down to rest and get lazy, things just deteriorate. Just like this man's vineyard, his field became overgrown. We see that in our own lawns, in our gardens, that if we don't tend to them, it becomes more and more work to, to just manage things. It requires diligent effort over time to maintain things um, and then even get beyond ma- the maintenance mode. I've had a few jobs in, in a man- with management responsibilities, and it really surprised me at first. I actually thought I wasn't doing my job because I was so surprised at how much effort and time was required to just maintain things, like equipment. We've got to maintain equipment that we use for work. We need to maintain clear communication within the team. We need to maintain good working relationships inside and outside of the organization. And even my own to-do list, it like, doesn't it take time? It's amazing sometimes. It takes time to plan out our day and we feel like we've accomplished something, but all we've done is made a list of things we need to accomplish. And, you know, the, the point is it's a lot of work to just maintain things, even more work to begin moving forward with what we're responsible to do. And so it makes sense that when we have a low view of work, that it leads to laziness and we just allow things to unravel around us. Another thing, if we have a low view of work, then we we live for the time off. It creates this desire for 5 p.m. or or checkout time or the weekend or the summer. And and when when we live for the time off, what happens is work was then a barricade to to the sweet life. That work becomes this thing that's in our way until we can get to the sweet stuff. Um, and this is what, this, this will lead, honestly, to just a miserable life. Again, most of our time is at work. And so if we just are constantly looking for the minority of time, that means the majority of our time is kind of, is, is just miserable. We have another story from, uh, from the Bible. Jesus told a story, again, paints a picture, and then we have a lesson attached to it. So listen to this parable in Luke 12. Jesus told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I like this part, he's talking to himself, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So this story lines up 
or this, you know, parable lines up closely with an American viewpoint. Uh, let's store it for ourselves, build bigger barns, and for the day that we can re- finally relax and eat and drink and be merry. And maybe you've spent time, you know, daydreaming or wondering about what if work just took off and my pay just increased so much that now, now I'm super wealthy. Or maybe long lost relative somewhere, you know, provides an inheritance to you that you didn't expect. And now I don't have to work to make ends meet. You know, sometimes we wonder about that. But here we see that God is not impressed by growing rich just in order to kick back. The goal of kicking back and taking it easy is really not in God's plan for us. Plus, we see here, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So what if you finally get there, but then you die the next day? Um, Then we have worked all this time and, and kind of pursued this goal for nothing. So to be rich towards God would be truly the sweet life. So what does that mean? We're going to unpack a little more of that. But if you resent the work you do every day and you live for the time off, it just leads to a miserable life. 68% of your life, at least, will be miserable, according to that graph. So, actually, God made us to work, and he he wants us to enjoy it. So so here's where we turn the corner and see how, how in fact, do we approach work and our core responsibilities. Um, We know that God wants us to enjoy it, but how? Let's first look at this, another passage in Ecclesiastes 5. Again, this man who has observed life and, and can speak just from a a great wealth of wisdom. And and he's in tune with God, too. So look at this other view. He says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil, with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. So we see this word toil. Um, in the Hebrew, the word is amal. It means a wearing effort, something that wears you down. Or there's this definition from a concordance that means to work severely and with irksomeness. What a great word, irksomeness. You should try to use that this week. Uh, you know, write that down and Work that into your vocabulary. But what that means is, I I looked up the definition. What is irksome? Something that is irksome is just annoying. It's like uh, a rock in your shoe, right? And you don't have time to get it out. It's just so annoying. But what we see here is that God wants us to find enjoyment in the work, even work that is irksome, even work that is wearisome and, and, you know, requires so much of us. God wants us to work hard and find enjoyment in it. In fact, the verse says it's a gift from God. There's the eating, there's the drinking, you know, there's the enjoying life that we, you know, we we recognize, yeah, that's God's gift. But also the toil is a gift from God. It's not an achievement, you know, reaching that, that take it easy life. It's not an achievement or a result of dumb luck where everything just happens to fall in place. That's not the way God designed things. God designed that wealth and possessions, even toil in our work, it really just flows from Him. It's His design. And in fact, one of the reasons God added pain into our work is so that we would turn to Him when we experience frustration in work. God wants us to trust Him for fulfillment and not find it in our work. So that God who showed us 
that he values work and he created us to work. He wants us to turn to him when we experience the frustration of our toil so he can restore us and he can refresh us. I imagine many of you in a group this size have had a really hard week. You're coming into Sunday from a hard week and maybe you're heading into an even harder week. Um, But what what we're seeing here is that God has actually designed work to be hard. And that's not the good news necessarily, but the good news is that he uses that to refresh us and restore us. He can bring joy in the moments, regardless of what's going on. And so let's look at this. How do we experience the sweet life? How do we approach work God's way and take him up on, on this approach? First, we pray and thank God for providing our work. Let your frustration in work remind you to thank God for the work that he has given you. Uh, we, we thank God for the work that provides for us. So frustration, in effect, what it does or what it should do is prompt us to redirect our, you know, those emotions to God and say, God, will you help me? This is, I'm experiencing setbacks or frustration or I'm bored. Whatever it is, um, turn to God and ask for him to help you in that and thank him for the job you have. You can thank him for those responsibilities on your plate today. And you can pray for his help um, to put your hand to them. Next, we can um, choose an upbeat attitude towards it. All right, to experience the sweet life, we actually need to choose an upbeat attitude towards our work. Again, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we see this, this reflection. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. So we see here that there's, there really isn't anything better than for someone to rejoice or enjoy or be glad about their work. It's, it's, it's a little foreign to us um, because of our angle we approach work naturally, but we can actually choose to enjoy the work that we have and be happy. We know that God values work, so we need to learn that our work, we can enjoy our work because we know that God really values what it is we're facing today and this week. In the Bible, what, what we mean by an upbeat attitude, the Bible doesn't mean, you know, put a fake smile on and just, you know, be happy all the time when it, that doesn't line up to the scenario. Rather, an, an upbeat attitude is one that willingly gets a grasp on your responsibilities. And it also looks for the good in things, not focusing on the negative, but, but just a willingness to grasp what it is you need to do in your job. That's, that's upbeat. The opposite of being upbeat is dreading Monday morning, fighting against it. Uh, the opposite of being upbeat is looking for opportunities to check out mentally or physically. Um, or, or the opposite of upbeat is getting bogged down, wishing for or wondering about other people's lives, you know, wishing you had their job. Um, that's really going to bog you down and not be an upbeat approach. So it's really amazing that we can choose this approach. Nothing has to change for you to decide to approach work differently. It's just an approach, a perspective that we, we ought to take. And it's going to make work sweeter. And lastly, aim every day to please God who gave you the work to do. So aim to please God. Yes, even at your own job with your boss, Aim to please God who gave you that work and work at it with all your heart as if, as if Jesus Christ is actually your boss and he's there all the time. That's what Colossians 3.23 uh, says. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. 
since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Christ followers, this is the other way. This is part of approaching work God's way is, is we're to work as if we're working for the Lord and not for men. And if we do this, now we're freed up to, to have an upbeat attitude and to have a little more energy in our step because we want to work for God, who in turn, the verse says, will bless us with an inheritance as a reward. And an inheritance is not uh, a, a cultural norm anymore, but an inheritance is a really, really good thing. It's, it's a gift uh, from from somebody above you that has just given you such a precious gift. And so we can look forward to that as a gift when we approach work this way. And if it's not incentive enough to receive an inheritance from God, this last verse reminds us, oh, by the way, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. You, you picture your, your work, your responsibilities, and who your boss is, and it's actually the Lord Christ you are serving, regardless of where you work. So when we please God in our work, he rewards us with a life that is richer, a life that is more fulfilling and sweeter than we could have got otherwise. There's there's not another way to this type of fulfillment in our work life. In fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture, it's the end of of John 10.10, where Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. True, there's life outside of, you know, being a a follower of Jesus Christ, but it's not much of a life. It's twisted, it's fallen, Um, there's there's toil with no joy, but but God came so that we could have life and have it to its fullest. After all, he designed life, he's the author of, of life itself, so why not do it his way? And what he says is diligent work, it's not only noble to do, but it promises fulfillment over time. Joy can come as a gift when we set our hearts to pleasing God in our work, faithfully pursuing responsibilities, not wishing we didn't have them, not looking for ways to get out of them, but faithfully approaching and diligently working. Again, we spend a majority of our lives working, so how important it is to see the value in our work and trust God to bring joy through it. And so I want to wrap up the message and ask you to think through some next steps that that God may be putting on your heart. The first next step today might be for the first time you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and and you want to follow him as your Lord. We've presented today and and this series just another way of life that we find in the Bible, a life through Jesus Christ and following him. So maybe you've realized you've been chasing life your own way, but but you're ready to take God up on that free gift um, to follow in his ways. And so you mark that on your connection card. We'd love to talk more about that with you. Or next, you may just ask God to help you identify and change a bad attitude at work. Maybe God is bringing to mind, you know, the way you approach work isn't necessarily doing, doing it the way he wants us to do. So maybe, maybe that's what God put on your heart. Or this third line is blank. You can write down anything specific action that God put on your heart, anything that God just spoke to you this morning, you can, you can put there. But I want to pray as we close. Dear God, again, thank you for your word and how it's actually practical today just as much as the day it was written. Uh, And we can learn about you. We can get help in our life now from it. Thank you for the wisdom you gave to to the men who wrote it and the way you inspired uh, them to write. I pray, God, for the faith 
to take you up on, on this approach to work. It's hard. We get discouraged. We get lazy. We get bored. But God, help us to to take on a new view of work and, and, and trust that you do bring joy and fulfillment regardless of, of what it is on our plate. You can use those things to fulfill us and, and ultimately make our lives sweet. God, I just thank you for, for providing work to us. Even when we grumble, God, we, we recognize that that's your way of providing for us. And so I, I just pray, God, you'd help us to work these truths out into our life into all of our lives and, and to take something that you've told us today and work it in this week. I pray that you'd continue to uh, to heal Josh's body while he's away. In fact, his thank you for the example he is of hard work. He wanted to be here today but was advised not to. He wanted to work through the pain, God, and, and do what you have on his heart to do. So just thank you for him. Pray that you would heal him today. Heal him quickly for the things he has on his schedule coming up. And we pray all of this in in your son's name, in Jesus' name, amen.